In the world of business, profit is everything. Those that are not profitable are condemned from memory. And the most important business of all is watching anime. Welcome back to the Weekly Anime Performance Review, the show where we review the performance of anime weekly. We're your three high-powered anime business executives. I'm John, your CEO of Weebs. I'm Chris, and I actually look pretty cute in a maid outfit. And I'm Andrew. Hey, kid, you want the experience of a lifetime? It is true. Chris does look good in a maid outfit. Yes. Uh, yes. Hey, check it out, everybody. It's the finale. My God. We're done with, uh, this is the last episode of the fall 2021 season. It is weird to call it the fall season when we are in the middle of January, but here we are. Uh, the only two shows that we still had episodes for this week were Blue Period and Comey Can't Communicate. So we will go ahead and discuss those last couple episodes and then be done. We will move on to our end of season wrap up. First on our list is Blue Period. And the final episode. On the second and third days, Yatara finishes his painting and gets complimented by Yotasuke. In the end, Yatara and Yotasuke pass the exam and get into TUA. Hashida fails and decides to go elsewhere for university, and Kuwana decides to give the exam another go next year. Man, what good vibes this last episode had. Yeah, well, like, I'm glad they all didn't make it. Yeah, it would have been like, because like they said, like, the all-painting course lets in like five people a year. Yeah. So it would have been pretty corny if it had been uh, Kuwana and Hashida and Yotasuke and him, and then like one rando. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, the rando is, I want to say, was it, we've seen them before, I just don't remember who they were friends with. Oh, she was in the Japanese art class with, uh, with Yuka. Yeah, she's she's in a separate class, but she did get in for her program. Good for her. I don't remember. Does she have a name? Probably, but she was really only relevant <laughs> for two scenes. But I think without getting too much into it, I think this was a good. It, his journey is nowhere close to over, but this was a good mm-hmm. showing of how he's finally realizing I somewhat have some skill, you know, mm-hmm. the good volume break or season break. Yeah, great season break. And like, even if it was even if there was no more show, I'd still be happy with it here. Mm-hmm. But I do hope there is another season of this one. <laughs> Just read the manga. Yeah, I know. Also, his friend who wants to be a pastry chef told everybody and they're they're cool with it. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I don't I don't think that his friend group are the types of people that would be like, oh, you want to be a pastry chef? That's dumb. That's what I that's what I love about them. I love Yatara's friends. They are very underrated characters. I don't think we've talked enough we've gushed enough about them because like they're kind of dude bros, but they're like they're supportive of whatever their their friends want to do. Like, you know, as soon as they realize that Yatara was like serious about like being an artist, they're like, yeah, go for it, bro. We got you. And same with the other guy and being a pastry chef. You need friends like that in your life. Everyone does. Speaking of friends, well, kind of. Um, I do like how the show ended by Mori seeing 
Etra's work and being like, oh, wow, that's awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's, uh, uh, kind she of saw his recreation cycle. of his uh, exam piece. Yeah. Because he was inspired by her, pretty much. And so mm-hmm. it's cool seeing that cycle complete. Man, oil painting looks hard, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, part of it is that the exam is very strict. Like, probably everyone who takes the exam is good at oil painting, you know? Yeah. So they're just being very selective. But it's like any art medium. It's never easy to express yourself. I mean, like... It's obviously never easy to express yourself, but different mediums have different levels of forgiveness and like how bad it is if you fuck up. Yeah, well, and not that pixel art isn't hard, but you have a lot more control over everything. I have control Z. (laughs) That's all I need. Yes, that too. (laughs) I probably use control Z more than I actually put down pixels when I make art. Yeah, that's the nice thing about any sort of computer art. You can't do that with oil painting. You can try, but... Yeah, anything else to say about this episode? I don't know. I love this ending. I really hope there is another season, but yeah, I might have to read the manga eventually. <laughs> if not... I had to yeah. head Chris off in the past this time. <laughs> Although my, my top of the list in terms of what manga I want to read right now is Berserk. Okay, so we're not voting this week since our show's ended. We'll just be doing our end-of-season wrap-up. Uh, next on the list, our other show is Comey Can't Communicate, and there were two episodes this time. In the second-to-last episode, it's culture festival time, and Comey is the deciding vote that has the class doing a maid cafe. Comey makes another friend while shopping for supplies. The maid cafe is a great success, and Tadano even gets roped into being a maid. In the last episode, Najimi uses the maid cafe to profit. <laughs> Komi accidentally promotes the maid cafe at the rooftop at the confession rooftop. The school has a dance, and the class has karaoke after their hard work. Confession rooftop seems pretty dangerous, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, probably, but also because like you're gonna publicly humiliate someone, and then they're like, "Well, I'm already on a rooftop, might as well." <laughs> yes. But I think those types of things are common, like And also the type of the type of person who's gonna go on a rooftop and express and confess to someone probably isn't doing it legitimately. Sure. Like but we also what was the other show that we watched that had like a big like confession festival? The the where the childhood friend won't lose. What is it called? Oh yeah. Uh I think that, that that's it. The childhood friend won't lose. That's right. It was. It, there's more to it than that, but that Osamake. was the gist of the title. That's it. Uh, and then they did that really bad dance number. <laughs> I really liked the uh, the friend that went uh, supply shopping with Comey and the girl just she's like a yeah. complete space case and wanders off on her own all the time. Like it takes her five seconds to respond to anything, at least. And something something I think is funny is is that. Uh, she and um, Onamine are so tied together that I didn't re- remember Onamine from the manga until they introduced uh, this character. Just because they're always together and stuff? Yeah. 
And so I was like, oh, I don't remember this character, but she reminds me of this other one. I was like, oh, it is this character. Yeah, I mean, it's... I feel like this is just a nice wrap-up of everything, and it ends on a nice note. It doesn't... I don't feel like there's any major emotional changes, but I don't think the show is ever going to have that, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I did really like the uh, the maid cafe expert that shows up at their school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it reminded me of uh, in Kaguya-sama when Chika goes to the ramen shop and there's like the ramen expert watching her the whole time. <laughs> Not quite the exact same scenario, but kind of similar. Well, they also had that in this one with, Comey and the ramen expert who didn't like she didn't talk at all and so he liked that oh yeah the ramen shop owner who's like the same kind of guy Good spirits <laughs> I also um, I think one thing I wish they had done is that they had instead of cutting through Comey's song at karaoke they had just let it played and had the ED go over it but there's no <laughs> lyrics. It's just Comey awkwardly staring <laughs> as the ED plays. I did like how, when like passing out the flyers and stuff, we got to see everyone. And with the culture festival, like we saw everyone in the last two episodes. I think we did, and it kind of shows that even though Comey is very socially awkward and doesn't talk, she has a lot of people who like know her and like her. You know. That's more inferred than anything else, but yeah. I am a huge fan of these last couple episodes. This this ending was great, I thought. Very satisfied. Yeah, and they had a fun after credit scene. Did you all see it? And I just want to take a moment to say thank you, Netflix, for not holding the show hostage until all the episodes are out. Same with Blue Period, obviously. So uh, those are all of the episodes of all of our shows. I believe we are all ready to move into our awards for this season for fall 2021. As always, our categories for awards are biggest letdown, biggest surprise, best OP, best ED, best aesthetic, best cast, best pairing, best character and best show. So first off is our biggest letdown. And what did you guys list for this one? I'll go first. Go ahead. So I put the, and my senpai is annoying. The best couple is not Futaba and Takeda, in my opinion. And it's kind of annoying <laughs> that we get a more development. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like their dynamic is not the premise of the show, so they're allowed to develop a little bit more. Um, but yeah, like their their scenes, they steal every episode that they have like a lot of material in. Uh, like I think my I think my favorite episode of this show was the one where they went to the aquarium together. Yeah. Or like in the beach episode, I don't remember much about it besides them talking and stuff. And it's like that's no, it should probably be, but you know. Uh, my big letdown of this season was there was there was no big damn kiss at the end of Irina the Vampire Cosmonaut. Uh, the ending of that show was extremely like 
definite in my opinion. It was very much like we're putting a period on this rather than a ellipsis or something. Uh, so to like kind of not just end it and like go all out and be like, yeah, I love you. Let's kiss. Made me sad, you know? <laughs> and just draw them kissing. Yeah, fan fiction exists for a reason. I can't coward. fucking draw faces, Chris. <laughs> I'm working on it, but not yet. Well, maybe they can't either. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. And uh, Chris, what was your big letdown? I guess the music in Muta King sucked ass. Yeah. <laughs> did. Yeah. Like, how are you going to make a show about dancing and music and have the same number in both of the two episodes we watched? And it wasn't even a good number. <laughs> yeah. Not really, like, no. if if you if you're going to do like. Like, it, I get it if you have to reuse a number, but not twice in two episodes. Especially when nothing about it was good. The mm. dancing and the singing, or in the music, I guess I should say, was not good in an anime about dancing and music. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that, was, uh, that was a bit of a frustrating watch, I thought. We did fire it pretty quickly. Uh, so, those are our big disappointments. Next up, let's talk about our biggest surprises. Uh, I'll go first this time. My big surprise was actually how much I enjoyed My Senpai is Annoying. I was a bit more negative on it at first, and there was a couple episodes, I think it was a, either one or a couple episodes where I fired it. Uh, I don't keep track of those statistics. But <clears throat> I, I wound up warming up to it a lot. Uh, you know, it had a lot more heart than I was expecting. I thought it was just going to be kind of like, you know, like a gag anime that gets old after like two episodes. But like the premise stretches out to 13. So I was pleasantly surprised when it had like more depth to it than I thought it might. I was very happy with that. I think my biggest surprise was. It actually came from off the list. It's uh, banished from the hero's party. I decided to live a quiet life in the countryside. And it was a lot. It was a lot better than I initially thought it would be. And I'll talk about it more later. I was going to make okay. a reappearance. Interesting. My biggest surprise is Blue Period. It's not that I didn't think I was going to enjoy it, but I feel like it's very easy to do animes like this about some sort of art medium, whether it's music or art or something, of it not really coming across that well at times. Um, and I think they did a really good job of that, of make, showing someone who's an amateur getting good and all the steps that he goes through, but also all the mental side of it and the toll that it takes on him. So I, I thought it was just a better, did a way better job than I thought it was going to. Yeah. Uh, so those are our big surprises. Next on the list is going to be a tougher category this time. Uh, that being best OP. The three nominees that we have picked out are Hinotsuki from Irina the Vampire Cosmonaut, Everblue from Blue Period, and Cinderella from Komi-san. Uh, I, I want to talk about uh, Hinotsuki. <laughs> um, I put it on here. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to nominate this one just because like, I it's very much like gothic, you know, fitting with the theme of vampires, obviously. And it's got some fun stuff with the time signature. It's very, very cool and stylish. Um, I absolutely adore this song. 
it's one of my favorites of the of that we've had on this podcast actually uh it sounds like castlevania music and that's always a good thing to me <laughs> i really liked blue period i think the song or ever blue because like i think the song is a nice chill vibe and i think the visuals do a really good job at kind of showing all the characters in like a fun stylistic way and like a lot of the shots kind of look like panels from a manga Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say like on visuals alone, like without um, without music in the consideration, I would probably give this one to Everblue. But uh, I, I love the song too much from Cosmonaut. I'm not uh, a fan of the Cosmonaut song. How dare you? It, it <laughs> reminds me too much of the OPs from Yuna, the girl who sings love at the end of time. And that's not a comparison you want to have. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know what that is, but I'll take your word for it. Um. Yeah. So for Cinderella from Come Can't Communicate, first of all, it's a very upbeat song and very catchy in my opinion. Yes. And that always helps. Um. But it does a very good job of showing them Comey just hanging out with the different friends that she makes over the course of the show, mm-hmm. and just them having fun like playing around in an empty pool and a hose you know just stupid stuff that kids do type of thing you know Mm -hmm. i think it does a really good job of showing that visually um it's just a really catchy song too like yeah it is like i that scenario with like with the pool uh where you know they're filling it up with the hose uh it reminds me of like how both of the another kaguya-sama comparison how the kaguya-sama ops kind of tell it oh well the, the daddy daddy do especially tells like sort of a condensed story like you might see in an episode uh but like without dialogue yeah there's a couple shots you know of them taking pictures in the classroom and all the friends mm-hmm. are all there you know i also really like how like the art style and the colors kind of mm-hmm. give it like a dreamlike feel oh yeah oh yeah it looks nice it's kind of pop arty, I think, with the colors and stuff. Yeah. If I'm remember- remembering correctly. Uh, it reminded me of the OP of Ida Tendides a little bit. Not quite as stylized as that, but um, that show that show in general was just heavily stylized. Shame we didn't actually like the show that much. Flashback <laughs> to last season when, like, at this moment, we were like, man, we just didn't have that many good OPs this season. <laughs> just completely forgotten about that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, we do have a bad habit of, like, forgetting the shows that we fired, even if they had, like, some good things that would be worthy of talking about for these categories. Yeah. Um, not really a problem this season, since the only show we fired was, uh, was Mute King, the Dancing Hero. Yeah, but we only had six shows, so. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The others all made it to the end. So, yes, my vote goes to Hinotsuki. Uh, are we all just voting for the ones we talked about? I think I'm going to vote for Cinderella. Okay. I hate to say this, but I'm voting for Hinotsuki. Damn. Let's fucking go. John wins. I just, that's the only song that when I'm getting ready in the morning, I think to myself and I think sing in my head like OPs are more than songs. I know. But that's that's, just, that's the one that stuck with me. 
Yeah, okay. I think I think I've been pretty consistent in like grading more on music than visuals. Uh, and maybe that makes me a heathen, but that's just how I think. <laughs> it depends. I think I've done it on visuals too, but the song has to be good. But all these have good songs, so you know. Oh, they're all great. I'm not saying yeah. any, none of these are bad. That one's just Truth. my favorite. <laughs> I almost nominated uh, the Sakugan OP. <laughs> Best ED. <laughs> the two nominees we have for this category are Shine from Sakugan and Replica from Blue Period. Uh, I'll talk about Shine since I nominated it. Uh, th- I really love this OP. It's uh, ED, excuse me. I really love this ED. Um, it's very much like a, a nice uh, folk rock tune. And the, the visuals are pretty simple. Like They're very, they're like very super deformed. Um, but they're they're just so like infectiously cute, and uh, it kind of reminds me of like a board game almost, like with the squares yeah. and like it, the advancement. And, I don't know; it's just really nice. Uh, I like it both visually and the song. Uh, it's just really nice. <laughs> That's it. And honestly, the the ED is like part of the reason I thought Gagumber was gonna die in this show, because like. There's a part where Gagumbar disappears and M- Mempu has to keep walking on her own. Uh, the other one is Replica. Yeah, I really, I really like this one. I think, I think the song's like a really chill vibe, and I like how it kind of does like a sketchy style of different mm-hmm. moments throughout the show. Like there's <laughs> Yatara just kind of figuring out painting. There's one where it's him in the art test at the end and i think there's one of him and the two other prep school students there's uh, in the final episode they showed them all yeah and it's just kind of like a nice reflection of the whole show yeah um and it's kind of interesting because like both the op and the ed for blue period use like you know make it look like it was done in like traditional art media but um, all of like the actual paintings and drawings in the show are rendered more realistically than like the world of the show, if that makes sense. Than like the way the characters are drawn in the show, if that makes sense. Yeah, like like the model looks like an anime character, but then the painting looks like an actual person. Yeah, or like Yatara, or like Yatara's self portrait that he does for the first part of the exam. When they showed all the paintings for the exam, I was like, "That's a lot." <laughs> like they went all out with the different styles and stuff uh this is a great segue into best aesthetic unfortunately we still have to vote on best ed (laughs) uh you've actually convinced me i'm voting for replica that's also what i'm voting for believe it or not i'm voting for it as well let's go we got a clean sweep for this one this time now best aesthetic um our nominees for best aesthetic are Blue Period, Komi-san, and Banished from the Heroes Party. And I can tackle Blue Period. I, I, w- I really did want to bring up this show for best aesthetic for what I said about like the way that it really beautifully renders the different materials that the characters use when making art. Um, like you can really feel the texture of like their pencil drawings or their um, or their. Uh, their oil paintings it almost it almost feels like they they might have like done them by hand and then like scanned the man or something 
because they are like that real level of detailed in terms of capturing the feel of um of of their art and if you if you're making a show about making fine art you better the art better look good and it does yeah it does yeah because if not then you just seem overly pretentious and stuff but no this Mm. art all seems good yeah and i think like that's something that contributes to how good the show is is that the art doesn't just Mm -hmm. look like anime characters it looks like actual art yeah it's like it's how the, it's how it would look if it wasn't, you know, an animated TV series, of course. Mm-hmm. Like it's an interesting mixed media approach. I really like it. So I think Komi-san is one of those anime where it's a lot more common in comedies, but where like there's still manga bubbles and stuff in it at times mm-hmm. that explain stuff. And I think this uses them very well. Mm-hmm. Um and that's part of the aesthetic. But the other part is Komi looks so good in this. <laughs> Just all the different versions. Because um, you can't have someone who you call, oh, they're so beautiful, whatever, and then make them ugly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they did a really good job of that and how to other people, she looks very pretty and like a ice queen type of look. But then from its Tadano's view, it's like she's always flustered and shaking and whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that helps. And all the characters are very unique looking, that it helps contribute to the idea of this school, you know? That only accepts weird people. Right. <laughs> yeah, that'll come up again when we talk about the next category. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, you know, for a comedy, it's very... I guess I shouldn't say that because like comedies can be whatever they want, but it's it's it doesn't sell it in just because there there is there is definitely like an alternate universe where they really phoned in the production of this show. And I'm glad Mm -hmm. they didn't because it's definitely the kind of show where you could phone in the production and probably get away with it. Right. It's also so popular that people will just watch it anyways. Mm -hmm. Right. But also it's so popular if they don't do a good job. And then last for is Banished from the Heroes Party, which is something that only I have watched. But I I really enjoyed this show. I put it under best aesthetic just because, like, I really like the vibe this show has, which really isn't, like, one specific thing I can, like, point to as the aesthetic. It just, mm-hmm. it's just, like, a really comfy vibe. And it kind of sells the whole living life on the countryside type thing. I just think it's neat. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There's also like a lot of really cool world building behind it. Also that it goes into it. I am going to cast my ballot for Blue Period. I think that just the way it renders things is just so neat. <laughs> I'm going to go for Blue Period as well. It's. I think it's just really well done. Because this is also kind of best visuals, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going for Komi-san. Uh, next up is Best Cast. Our two nominees for this one are Komi Can't Communicate and Blue Period. Uh, I can tackle Komi-san if you all want. Sure. Uh, as uh, has been stated already, <laughs> 
a big part of like the gimmick of Komi-san is that it is a school that is all weird people because they accept based on like interviews essentially. Um, so everybody has like something going on that makes them, you know, wacky and out there. Like, you know, there's a Chuni character and um, Ren Yamai is like a complete psychopath. <laughs> uh, there's the girl that's super competitive uh, with Komi. And Komi doesn't really know what's going on. <laughs> uh, it's what Andrew often terms a kooky characters anime, I think. The ensemble of Komi-san is very powerful. like, And it's really kind of baked into the premise of the show because, you know, Komi's whole goal is to make 100 friends. So it kind of naturally lends itself to like a sort of monster of the week format. But the, the, the monster is befriending a person. <laughs> yeah. And it, it kind of does that. There's sometimes where like nobody knew is befriended, but it's still fun watching all the characters hang out and interact with each other. And, and I think, they were still introducing new friends, even as like yeah. the last couple episodes wrapped up. I think it was Chris who said this, though, but they do a good job of the friends making their jokes and then getting out of the way. Yes. <laughs> of how it doesn't feel repetitive because you don't sit with these for a long time sort of thing. Yeah, that is that is a very fair point. Like they might uh, have a a string like in this most recent episode where all the characters say what they want to do for the culture festival. And like, it's a similar setup, but a different punchline. Mm-hmm. And even if the punchline every time is, Oh, we want to see Komi in a made outfit. Oh, we want to see Komi do this. Oh, you can see how compatible you are with Komi. It's still funny to watch. And it fits with their character. Yes. So, uh, that is why I like the ensemble cast of Komi-san. So I think Blue Period does a good job of showing different people and how it's, I don't know if it's necessarily best cast or best character work, you know? Yeah. But it's essentially the same thing. But they do a good job of where Yatora thinks all these people have it figured out and that they're great at drawing or at art. And they're not. I mean, they are good, but they don't have it figured out, you know? None of them know the right thing to paint to get in because there is never a right thing to paint, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so he thinks everyone else is confident, but they're not. And you kind of get that a bit in the last episode. And it's it's a very good job of showing everyone's different takes on everything, I think. One of the most powerful realizations you can come to in life is that everybody's just bullshitting. Yeah, like uh, Kuwano got first place in the like prep school art exhibit but she didn't even make it into tua right but Mm. she also did say that was the curse that the person Mm. who gets first never makes it in yeah which at this point can be a self-fulfilling self-fulfilling prophecy you know yeah and how she doesn't really process it until much later when she's with her sister but yeah and i think they did good work with um yuka's character work and stuff uh, I really like the character of Yuka. I wish I wish that uh they were in the show more. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am still going to give it to Komi-san just because I don't know. It's very it's very fun. Like the yeah. cast in the show is so much fun. I love them. Yeah, I just think Komi-san is so cast centric and mm-hmm. it's so good at it that I don't mm-hmm. see how I can give it to something else. Yeah, no, I agree. A show like Komi-san or a kooky character enemy is built on your kooky characters, and so they mm-hmm. have to be good. And I think they are. Yeah. They do a real good job on this one. 
Next up is best pairing. And uh, we say we say pairing not instead of like couple or something because this isn't necessarily like about uh, two like two characters romantically involved. It's just any like two character dynamic of any kind. Now, three of these are romantic couples, but <laughs> hopefully only three of them. Hopefully only three of them. <laughs> Our best pairing uh, nominees are Sakurai and Kazama from My Senpai is Annoying, Irina and Lev from Irina the Vampire Cosmonaut, Komi and Tarano from Komi Can't Communicate, and Mamempu and Gagumber from Sakugan. Uh, so... I can start out with Sakurai and Kazama. Uh, and we mentioned them uh, back at the top of this uh, awards ceremony. Uh, Andrew's big letdown for this season was that uh, Sakurai and Kazama were more compelling than the main couple of this show. And I am inclined to agree. Uh, it's kind of a, it's a bit of a slow burn at first, but like their relationship is just so sweet and nice. Uh, and again, I've already mentioned it, but the episode where they went on an aquarium date was probably my favorite episode of this show. Uh, like with stuff like the, the angry eyed dolphin, like they bought a plush of. Um, like actually, though, that was great. <laughs> that was a great bit. Uh, so just them being like a stable presence in the show was a big part of the reason that I really wanted to keep watching it just to see how they're feelings would develop. I uh, can't give enough props to them for that. I probably shouldn't do Irene and Lev. I, I, it's not that I mind them, but... I think they did a really good job at having them parallel each other and how they both kind of push each other forward. How, like, Lev is initially pushing Irina to become a better astronaut and then to live up to Irina's expectations and him, he's pushing himself. And then they're, yeah, they're just able to break the social norms together at the end because of their love. And it really is an example of love conquering all. Yeah. <laughs> love conquers the Soviet Union. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I really liked their relationship. I mean, my big letdown for the season was they didn't kiss at the end. Like, I think this was. I don't think they ever like explicitly like out and out confess their feelings for each other, but like stuff with like the the scene where um, where Lev lets uh, Irina feed on him, like very much is like framed as like a first kiss sort of thing. Uh, and stuff like that, that's like, wow, damn. Wish I had a vampire GF. Anyway, uh, next uh, pairing is Comey and Tadano. Andrew, do you want to take this one? Sure. So, I mean, this show is based on their relationship, in my opinion, because Tadano's the first one that Comey kind of mm -hmm. befriends, and he's very good at figuring out what she's trying to say and all that. And so he... I think it's just they do a great job of him playing the straight man slash, you know, reaction to whatever's going on with Comey. But in addition to that, they just are good friends. <laughs> like, they very much 
like and support each other and you know they always want to help each other out and so like at the end in the last episode we had Komi shaking the maracas when Tadano was singing even though nobody else was really paying attention you know and just stuff like that really is like cute and sweet to see um and you know they mm-hmm. kind of like each other i'm sure at some point in the manga they get together but you know that's 300 chapters down the road type of thing yeah i i mean like you could argue that even now um with the exception of maybe najimi like Tadano's really the only one who's still who like really knows what Komi is about <laughs> aside from her family of course Because like Najimi knows, but he's kind of a dick about it, or they're kind of a dick about it. Yeah, and other people might kind of know where they've been told, but they don't really understand what Comey's saying and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, Mamempu and Gigumber are a lot of fun. Uh, first of all, just because like we we don't, I don't know. I feel like we don't really see that many like father and single daughter pairs or single father and daughter pairs in anime. Mm. Uh, and there's also the fact that uh, Memempu is nine years old and has seven college degrees? Question mark? A lot. Yeah. A lot. And she, she's very smart. And Gagumber is kind of a action speak louder than words kind of guy. Um, so they're very fun together because like Memempu is very smart. Like she's very book smart, but she's not really attuned to the ways of the world, whereas Gagumber is very world-weary, but kind of a dumb, dumb, dumb. <laughs> uh, so they're very fun together that way, and like it's the, it's definitely the relationship where like 90% of the time, like their relationship is played for comedy, but there's every, every once in a while you do get the wow, they really do care about each other. It's, uh, it's a very fun dynamic, and like some of their scenes at the end when, uh, like when they're doubting their relationship, but then when they reaffirm it are very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. I am giving this one to Irina and Lev. I am going to give this to Komi and Tadano. I'm giving mine to Sakurai and Kazuma. Oh, three different ones this time. Yeah. All right. Uh, we have two more categories to get through. Uh, the first or the, the next one is best character. And our four nominees this time are Memempu, Irina, Lev, and Yatara. I am going to start um, <clears throat> with Memempu. Uh, like I said before, when we were talking about uh, best pairing, uh, I like Memempu just because, you know, like she's, she's very smart, but, you know, a little bit naive. Um, and she goes through a lot of doubt towards the end of this one about whether pursuing her dream is a good idea. Uh, but she decides to go through with it anyway, uh, despite what the consequences might be, just because uh, she has to satiate her curiosity. So it's kind of her thing is kind of like, um, you know, kind of becoming an adult in that, you know, learning the ways of the world to some extent, but also hanging on to the best parts of childhood, that being curiosity and um, adventurous spirit. I, advent- I wanted to say adventurousness, but I don't know if that's a word. Anyway, that's the point. <laughs> yeah, like there's a pop point kind of um, with 
Cena about how she's not able to follow her dreams because she doesn't have people supporting her, and so mm-hmm. it's kind of like Mimpu gets to choose to follow her dreams, and you get to see her decide that and stuff. And that's really fun of her being able to choose to stay a kid, kind of, so to speak. Just thought I'd tack that on while you were talking about it. Uh, would one of y'all like to talk about Irina? I really like Irina because we get to see her journey from, uh, like, like at how she changes from thinking, oh, I'm going, I hate all humans, and I'm just going to do this to spite all the humans and go to space first, to not all humans are bad, but I still want to kick all their asses by going to space first. And I think that's, it's just nice seeing her changing over the course of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, that is... Yeah, her big part of her arc is learning to trust other people and humans in particular. There really aren't any other vampire characters in this show, uh, named vampire characters anyway. Uh, yeah, they so, show them at times, but which is honestly yeah. kind of a shame. Yeah, it is. It is kind of a little. If I could say, if I could suggest, like one thing to improve on this show would be to like maybe include another vampire with a contrasting perspective or something like that. That'd be interesting, but. Uh, it is what it is. Um, so like her, she, yes, she does gain the trust of, or she gains more trust for humans, but also just for like people in general, she becomes a lot more social, um, and opens up to Lev. And speaking of which, uh, I will tackle Lev, uh, if you don't mind, uh, they, they state that the reason that they selected Lev to be the first cosmonaut, uh, or the first human cosmonaut, is that he can inspire people. And that's his big thing. Like, you know, he's out of the running uh, when the show starts for assaulting a superior officer. Uh, But he still, like, does his duty to the best of his ability. And uh, it's, and like a big part of what convinces them to make him the cosmonaut is that he is like legit such a good guy that he turned everything around and got, um, and did such a good job of preparing Irina for her mission. Uh, so he's just a swell guy, is the point, really. <laughs> well, not only that, but it's kind of a point in the final episode, I think it's the final episode, where he ends up outing, hey, Irina was actually the first person in space, and they expect him to do that, you know? Or they kind of think he's going to. I, th- I don't know what their percentages are but they expect him to care so much about making sure that Irina gets the recognition she deserves that they build it into their plans, which is great. I think, I think even if like, even if he had like a perfectly platonic relationship with Irina, he would still have done it. And you know, you can't look at someone like that and be like, you're not a good guy. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on to Yatora. So this whole show, Blue Period, we get to see Yatra's journey from being someone who's just like, I think art's pretty neat, to actually pursuing it and then succeeding at getting into college. And it's very fun watching him go along with it because 
it kind of gives you the feeling of like he's just a normal person you know he doesn't have great skills or anything but he trained so hard for this and he he's pushing himself so hard to achieve something that he likes kind of like irene and love honestly of they're all three pushing for like their dreams you know and i guess Mumpu as well but that's uh, different so I just think he does a really good job of we get to see his emotions throughout the whole thing and all that. I don't know if anyone else has anything. I don't know if anyone has anything else to add. Yeah. I love this show. I love these anime. <laughs> but yeah, uh, a lot of Yatsura's stuff is about his self-discovery through art and like realizing things about himself that he didn't know. Uh, through finding a new way to express them that words wouldn't work. Which is why I'm actually giving the award to him. <laughs> Shocker. What a coincidence. I am too. I think I'm gonna as well. Ooh. That's a clean sweep for Yatara, uh, for best character. Uh, and last, our last category is best show. So our nominees are all five of the shows that made it to the end. That's Blue Period, Arena the Vampire Cosmonaut, Komi Can't Communicate, My Senpai is Annoying, and Sakugan. The case for Blue Period being the best show of the season. Uh, like I said, it's aesthetically gorgeous. Um, Have you been and... listening to us for the past hour? <laughs> right? <Yes. laughs> um, Have you been listening to us all season? <laughs> it, again, it's all about the self-expression and like the arcs that these characters go through of expressing themselves through art, finding out who they are through their art. Uh, and the and their art defining them as much as they define it. Uh, expression is a two-way street, art. of course. Uh, art is pretty cool, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's why I like doing it. This show is just gorgeous uh, on a thematic and on like an aesthetic level. Uh, so that's why that's a big part of the reason I think it should uh, be considered for best show. Uh, I also think that Irina. The Vampire Cosmonaut deserves a mention. Uh, just for uh, having a super fun premise. Uh, like, literally the reason that I picked this show for the season was like, they're going to put a Dracula in space. I'm watching this show. Uh, but uh, it hooks you in with that premise, but it's actually a very, very sweet story. Uh, it's, it's a very sweet love story, in my opinion. One of the best love stories we've watched on Whapper. Uh, and also, it focuses on the space race and looks at it from angles that are not often considered. We often uh, focus exclusively on the American perspective, of course, and also uh, we often, you know, view it as like the you know the high-minded human achievement. And there is some of that in this show, but it's also about like the politics behind the scenes and how it was all a dick-measuring contest between superpowers. Uh, but that's why I think Irina deserves a nod. All right, I've done my two. <laughs> so I think Komi-san does a really good job at just being a really funny show, and it's really well made. And like, I'd, I'd compare it to Kaguya-sama in that it could be, like, they really could have phoned it in with the production, and it probably would have been just as well received, but, or it would have been received pretty well, but I think they really put their effort into it, and... 
it really shows and it worked out really well for them. And like, I think a lot of the time saying is something looks like they just animated, they took the frames and animated a manga is a, is like a insult to anime. But this, it really felt like they, it feels like you're watching a manga. And I mean, that is a good thing just because of how well they were able to produce it. I can do my senpai's annoying. So the show, surprisingly enough, even though we've, you know, dissed about like, oh, the main characters don't, whatever. I, I, they do a great job still of having very tender, heartfelt moments between these cast and not even just the main two, but of everyone. And just of offsetting that with little sprinkles of comedy. Like, it's technically a comedy, but there's a lot more emotions to it than sometimes you think. And they do a great job of balancing the two. And how at the end of almost every episode, you know, the conflict gets resolved or whatever. And, you know, they're happy with each other. You know how it is. And I think it's just a fun show to watch because of that. Also, Kazuma and Sakurai are pretty cute together. True. And how, you know, they did the thing a couple of times where, like, other people ask her out, and she's like, oh, no, I have plans. And then she's like, hey, Kazuma, you want to go do something later type of thing? That's always a fun trope. I like Sakugan a lot uh, because it's, like, it's one of, like, the best adventure anime we've watched in a while, I think. Um, it's got very fun creature designs and mech designs. Um, <laughs> you haven't mentioned also, the mech at all. The the family of characters that it features is uh, a very fun ensemble cast, especially Gagamba and Mamempu. Like, their scenes together are what make this show to me. Both when they're being obnoxious to each other and when they are proving that they do care about each other. Uh, it's their scenes that really are the core of this series, and I really like them. So that's why I want to put it up here. So... What is everyone's best show of fall 2021? I mean, I feel like this isn't a surprise, but Blue Period. <laughs> it just, the art's so good. The story's so good. The characters are so good. Like, I just, it's good. <laughs> uh, I'm also giving this one to Blue Period. Um... <laughs> I found it to be a very moving show. Uh, it really is one of the best pieces of fiction about how art matters. <laughs> yeah, I'm also going to give it to Blue Period. A clean sweep. Yeah. Have we had a clean sweep for best show before? I think so. I think we have. We might have been to Kaguya-sama too. Yeah. I don't think it had very much competition that season. No, I don't think so. Anyways, congratulations, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, that was Chris's pick. I, I believe I picked Irina the Vampire you Cosmonaut. Did. And you I picked Mewtwo King the Dancing Hero. I should have picked something else if it was going to get fired immediately. Well, you might have picked something that wouldn't get fired immediately. Yeah. Well, I mean, I this show could have been good. I think yeah, the concept could have been interesting. Yeah. The execution was lacking. Yes. 
I mean, you can make any con you can make any concept work if you execute it well. Fair. I feel like Andrew a lot of time just like here's a funny premise. He's like, well, we got to pick that. I mean, actually, though, that's what I do. <laughs> I mean, that was why I picked Irina. I was like, they're going to put a Dracula in space. <laughs> Congratulations to Blue Period for being our show of uh, fall 2021 from all three of us. Um, and uh this is as good a time as any to bring up a uh, a decision that we've made to retool our show. Uh, this will be the last season uh, where we will cover anime as they were releasing, uh, where we will continue to follow the seasonal anime beat. We have decided to close the book on this era of uh, the podcast and retool it uh, because sometimes, you know, when we have to talk about the same show for, you know, 10 or 12 weeks, it starts to, we start to run out of things to say uh, that aren't just like going, picking through every little detail with a fine toothed comb. Uh, we've, we've all realized that we have a lot more fun when we do our OVA episodes than when we do the, um, the regular episodes. Those are what we really enjoy doing on this podcast. So we've decided to, uh, instead of doing the seasonal uh, run through and then doing an OVA once a month. We're going to move to a bi-weekly schedule where we do uh, what we have been calling an OVA episode. Uh, basically, we're just going to pick an anime to all watch and discuss for an hour twice a week. Um, twice a month. You say bi-weekly, but it's going to be like the first and third Fridays of the month. Yeah, that's or... bi-weekly. <laughs> Not always. Most of the time, yes. So, yes, we'll, we'll be doing two episodes a month on anime that you will get to vote on. So well, there will be a poll after every episode. Uh, so be sure to look out for uh, our Super Crooks episode, which is dropping this Friday. And after that episode will be a poll for what we will talk about for our next episode, uh, which I believe will be dropping on the 28th. Uh, so I hope you will enjoy our new format. I'm very much looking forward to it, actually. I, I really enjoy doing the OVA episodes the best, so yeah. I think this will, I think this will result in a much better uh, listen experience for all of you because it's going to be a lot more fun for us. I'm speaking for myself, at least. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Wappercast because after our Super Crooks episode, the poll for our next episode will go live. Be sure to cast your vote in that. It'll be very exciting. Uh, all that being said, that's all we've got for you this week. This has been your weekly anime performance review. I've been John, your CEO of Weebs. I've been Chris, and I'm actually pretty cute in a maid dress. And I'm Andrew. Mom, you were right about him. Beep boop. Ravioli. <laughs>